Good evening and welcome into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shopto at C70. You can find my co-host, David Jones, at iPop Editor over on X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it these days. Um, it was a really exciting game today, David. I don't, I don't know if we could really get into all the details and everything that happened in today's game in, in 30 minutes. I, I just don't know that we can really do it justice. You know, the pitching was amazing. Uh, as far as I know, it was a perfect game. No runs, no hits, no anything. Uh, the last I saw, is, is that still holding up? I, as far as I know. Now, the problem is the offense, of course, hasn't scored either. So I, they may be going on for a while. But, um, yeah. This, I, I, I get why they have a Sunday off day. Um, I get... It's weird, right? I mean, you feel like baseball could do better than that. Oh, absolutely. It's You know, the whole schedule's been a little bit weird this year. The yeah. Cardinals had that stretch for like, what, 17 straight or 18 straight games and then had two days off. And, mm-hmm. and I know part of that, the team got to choose some of that based on a holiday. But like even before that, they were going to play like 14 straight, even if they did that. Uh, and it just seems like, you know, they get home for a couple days and immediately have to leave right after and back and forth, back and forth. And so – I yeah, today not playing, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense at all. But I guess that's today's MLB, um, you know, just part of a strange season. If if things can get stranger, sure, here they are. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's, I feel like some of it is, some of it's the, you know, let's play everybody thing, which... I think I grabbed a bat on mutual, so I don't want to really do that here too for those p- few people that listen to me twice. Um, but part of it is like, okay, why I, the Royals and the Cardinals may, I'm sure the Royals want the Cardinals in on a weekend, right? Because that's a better game for them and such like that. But, you know, when you're only doing home and home two game series, those things just need kind of need to be in the middle of the season of the week. It seems like to me, um, you know, if you want to do something different and, you know, guarantee six games or something instead of four and see how that fits with the schedule, sure. But if you're going to have two-game series, they just don't need to be on the weekend. Yeah, it doesn't it, – yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, it's – it about it makes about as much sense as back in years ago, decades ago, when they would actually play like um, – what they weren't like preseason, I guess exhibition games is what they were called mm-hmm. during the mm-hmm. season. Yeah. It, you know, that we think about that now. Like, imagine if the Cardinals and Royals played today and it was an exhibition game. Like, that that makes no sense. And they used to do that in the middle of the season. That's about what it seems like not playing on a Sunday. But, um, you know, I, the schedulers didn't ask our opinions, unfortunately. Um, I guess they probably didn't ask the opinions of anybody in Kansas City either. And this is what we're left with. We're, we got no game to discuss today. We got a week of games, but uh, nothing overly exciting, unfortunately. Yeah, you, you just wonder if some owner isn't going to somewhere take advantage of that and, you know, do something. Try to have some sort of exhibition game. I know the, the union won't allow it anymore. But I want to say, wasn't it like there was a game like that in the early 80s? Because I want to say it, it helped with uh, Ripken's streak that he was hurt and they had some sort of exhibition game like the next day that he didn't play in, and then he was fine. I, I, I may be wrong on that, but I have a feeling like there was something 
weird like that. Like maybe it was the Hall of Fame game or something like that. Because you remember they used to play the Hall of Fame game. Mm, yeah, that was an exhibition in the middle of this. You know, kind of. But that was around you know Hall of Fame induction weekend. I, I don't know. I feel like there's something. Somebody can prove me wrong uh, later on. But yeah, that's just uh, it's just weird. Uh, you know, Tuesdays, Thursdays, Mondays, they all make sense. Wednesdays is a little bit weird, but I mean, not that I can think of a Wednesday off, but sure, you could. I, I might be able to buy that. But you know, those those weekend games, that's that's what the weekend is for, right? It's for baseball. It's yeah, any other sport. Yeah, and it's got to be the big money maker too for a lot of gates. Uh, whether yeah. you know Cardinals are playing at home or on the road, some stadium is going to get a lot of their money because of a Sunday game. Those weekend games do it. So uh, obviously this was traded out for something else, um, you know, another game during the week at some point. But um, yeah, hopefully this doesn't happen again. Uh, now, I don't know, maybe the players love it. And you know what? If the Cardinals are in a pennant chase and their pitchers were worn down, we might say, hey, this landed at the perfect time. Uh, the yeah. Guys can get some rest. But yeah, it's just a, it's a very, very weird feeling i think the last time it happened for the cardinals was maybe if i heard right 1995 which was like the same day that the rams had their first game in st louis and if i remember correctly i believe they beat the packers that day and went on to start four and uh and so there was you still had some excitement in st louis that day i remember watching the game at a bowling alley because you had a football team in town but um yeah, today <laughs> it's just kind of an empty thing in St. Louis. It's, there's really no sports going on. So, you know, there's no baseball, no hockey. At, yeah, I hope yeah. people enjoyed their Sunday. <laughs> Hopefully. I wonder about that 95. Of course, that was, the, you know, they had to kind of rework the schedule a little bit when the strike ended. I don't know if that had anything to do with it because that's just, you know, just a weird weird thing that you wouldn't expect. I mean, a rain out, sure. Okay, fine. But not to be actually scheduled is is a strange, strange thing. But we have seen, like you said, plenty of strange things this year. Um, and we saw a week of baseball that was strange because the Cardinals went and beat the Tampa Bay Rays, one of the best teams in baseball, beat them two out of three um, after you know losing series to people like the Rockies. And then they go out and you know, split that short series with the Royals. And just continue to confound any, any kind of rational explanation um, because it doesn't make any sense. Well, what does make sense to me is that Matthew Libertor and Stephen Matz are two of the greatest pitchers that we've ever seen in this Cardinals sure. organization. Put them in that rotation next year. You know, this team doesn't even really need to go out and get pitchers at this point. They've been there all along. The Cardinals just had to open their eyes to them. So, you know what? I think next year's set. I'm, I'm feeling pretty comfortable after those outings. You agree? <laughs> oh, I mean, they only need the three pitchers, right? They don't think just <laughs> to take those other two days off. I mean, you know. I mean, Alec Brolson or somebody can probably put, throw on those other days uh, with those guys going. So, yeah, I mean, I've been, it's been pretty remarkable to see, especially Stephen Matz. I mean, Matthew Levitore had a great game, and I hope that this is a precursor to seeing more of what he did. But there's no doubt that was he was motivated for that game, and he may, that may be the best game he ever pitches. Who knows? So hopefully it continues, but we'll see. Stephen Matz has had long enough of a stretch that I think it's fair to say he has turned a corner. I mean, uh, Dane Perry was writing on him earlier this week and looked like his release point has kind of synchronized a little bit and, you know, his velocity has gone up a little bit. And of course he'll say, 
you know, he's, he's motivated, he's focused a lot more. He's got a little bit more confidence. Um, whatever the case, it, it really does feel like this is, this may even be better than the Mets as they thought they were getting when they signed him to the contract. Yeah, I agree. I, this is the guy that we saw in spring training too. Uh, this is why I thought yeah. that we are going to see just an incredible pitcher that I thought might actually lead the rotation this year with his stuff. You know, ERA is down to 3.86. His FIP is at 3.76. So it tells you that what we're actually seeing is actually what we're seeing. Um, and when you think about how bad he started for his ERA now to be down under four and comfortably mm-hmm. under four, same with his FIP, that's just remarkable. And so, you know, at one point we were thinking maybe small sample size or he started having a success against some bad teams or maybe an American League team that had not seen him recently and things like that. But no, he's showing this consistently game after game after game. I mean, he has not had a rocky outing in quite a while. I can't remember the last time unless it's just slipping my memory. And so I am very, very comfortable with Matt's being in the rotation next year, as long as, you know, everything holds together, things don't get lost again. There's not another injury, which does seem to happen to him. But whether he's a four or a five, sure, I think this guy makes a ton of sense. And then, like you mentioned, Matthew Liebertor, uh, that was remarkable. Uh, just watching the way the ball moved, watching him hit his spots, uh, his fastball high in the zone, his curveball just snapping that thing off. But like you said, I'm curious, is this because he was so amped up to face his old team? Or is this because of what he's been working on up to this point? Derek Gould had a really good article leading into that game about the extra attention that he's been putting in the weight room, trying to get stronger, really trying to strengthen his legs. And that's that's one of the things that a lot of people may not know about pitching. And, you know, a lot of people do, but your velocity a lot of times is coming from your legs. That's where the power is coming from. It's not necessarily just your arm strength. Um, And so if he's putting something together, I hope we see this the next several outings. Um, I don't know if he's going to be able to hit 96 in the sixth inning in the next game. Maybe so, maybe not. Uh, But I think he's due an evaluation for at least the rest of the season. I'm not ready to say, let's put him in the rotation for next year. I think that's way too risky, but get this guy on, get this guy a start every single time his turn comes up for the rest of the season. There's no harm in that. And if he starts putting these types of games together, then Hey, at best, maybe you have a guy who's a number five in your rotation at worst. Maybe you've got a guy that's going to come out of the bullpen and, and be a dominant lefty, but yeah, uh, on those two, to, those two ends, I've been very impressed this week. Yeah, yeah, I think that it does. It sounds like the Cardinals are going to let Labrador pitch all the way down the rest of the year, which is good. Because you're right, it's it's really time to figure out what you've got with Matthew Labrador, right? and it, you know that the trade has been a long time ago. And granted, you know, COVID hit happened in that slowed things down, get all that, but you know, he needs to have an extended run in the major leagues and we'll see what he is at the end of the year. I think unless he just completely blows up, then yeah, he's in that mix for that fifth spot and he's probably the favorite there, but there will be a competition going into spring training for that. Hopefully only for that last spot. Hopefully the Cardinals will fill those other two spots with trades or some free agent signings. But um, you know, if Libertor looks not like, you know, eight scoreless innings every time, but you know, like this kind of pitcher, uh, you know, and Stephen Matz continues to be like he does. If the Cardinals go out and get middle of the rotation, you know, all of a sudden they have, you know, maybe a two and three threes and, a, you know, whatever. 
that's well one a lot better than this year and two a lot better than some some uh teams have and then they've got a lineup that'll back it up yeah so i'm gonna throw out a question and I, you know, if people want to throw stuff at me, they can, uh, because this is a very risky question to ask. But you look at Mats. Mats has really turned it around. Libertor, you know, too soon to tell, but they are working on some things. Uh, you look at Jordan Hicks. Before Jordan Hicks left the Cardinals, he had really put some things together. Jojo Romero has been very, very good. He is putting up career numbers. By the way, he's only 26. I thought the guy was at least 36, but that's a completely different story. Feels like he's been around a while. But Romero looking really good. Miles Michaelis, you look at his FIP. It's about where it normally is each season. Jordan Montgomery had a pretty typical year with the Cardinals, maybe even a little better. So I say all that to say, does Dusty Blake deserve a little bit of credit for some of these turnarounds. And I ask that because I don't think this guy has gotten any credit in the media or from fans. I think he's in the doghouse of everyone. Does he deserve a little bit of credit for what we're seeing with these pitchers at this point? Well, I, I think I would say he's less of the, I mean, maybe it depends on who you're looking at, depending on who you're talking to. Of course, I think he gets more ignored, especially after the Jeff Albert thing. Right. I mean, I don't think he's gotten nearly the, vitriol that maybe that the Jeff Albert did, although some probably still have that. Um, but yeah, I think it's only, I think it's only fair to say that, right? I mean, you see the change in Steven Matz, you see what Matthew Libertor has done. You see all these other things. It's really, really difficult to say, well, they all just kind of did it on their own. Um, you know, when Dusty Blake has been charged with, you know, updating how, how things happen and, and, and really, kind of revamping everything um yeah i think it is and i and i hopefully he will get that kind of credit and i think it's nice to see again when you go back to jeff albert jeff albert had a couple of years where it took a while for the for the program to click right um if if all of this or at least a lot of it comes from what dusty blake has changed then it's nice to see that kind of change get implemented so quickly yeah, I, and I was thinking about that too, that are we seeing this as something that took time for players to actually figure out and get going, and now we're seeing the results of it? Now, to be fair, the starting pitching over all this season has not been great, uh, and and the bullpen has suffered too, and I think the bullpen, it's kind of the, the, the snowball effect. The bullpen has suffered a lot because the starting pitching at the beginning of the season was so terrible that the bullpen got so taxed. Um but it's one of those things you kind of you kind of look for the silver linings at this point in the season since there is going to be no playoffs and you look for just some little pieces of hope and that's kind of what i guess i'm looking at here thinking okay Matt's Libertor Romero these guys are under contract for next year Michaelis we think we know what we're getting from him every start pretty much mm-hmm. and so i guess i'm looking there saying okay maybe something is working here maybe Dusty Blake isn't the problem necessarily uh, you know i don't think dusty blake's the reason that starters are getting pulled at 80 pitches after throwing great games um so maybe we can be a little hopeful about the system that's in place um now there could be other factors going on that we don't know about uh certainly the catching position has been all over the place this year pitchers have pitched mm-hmm. the three different guys uh we've had four different catchers actually up <laughs> at times uh so yeah, I, just one of those things that's kind of in the back of my mind going into the next year, thinking, okay, maybe 
maybe the Cardinals don't have to clean house. Maybe everyone doesn't have to be fired for this team to get back on track. Maybe the pitching is actually going to turn around. I, I don't know. I'm trying to be optimistic, at least with my look towards the future. But of course, a lot of the offseason will dictate what happens with that. Yeah. Speaking of, you know, Matt's starts, his worst start since he's been put back in the rotation was actually his second one. He allowed four runs and four and a third to Washington. All the Cardinals did win that game. Uh, and that's the thing. The Cardinals, since he's moved in the rotation, in part because he's been so good at this, and um, the Cardinals have won every all but one of, of his starts, uh, which is a nice and refreshing change um, that we haven't haven't had a lot of either. So, yeah, he's been good um, because he allowed four runs in that, inning, that game. Um, he's, I think, allowed four in the whole, uh, all the other ones. Hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, pr- pretty consistent. Uh, you know, I don't think we're going to see, I don't think he's going to throw a game like Libertor did. I don't think we're going to see eight innings, two hits, no runs. But he seems like a guy that maybe for the rest of the year is going to go out and give the Cardinals between six and seven innings and two to three runs each outing with a good number of strikeouts. Uh, and that's the thing I like now about how he's pitching is that he is getting strikeouts. He's getting the swings and misses. Um, you feel like he's a guy that can actually get out of an inning, even if guys get on base. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, you know, at the end of the year, we're going to look at all these pitching numbers. And there's no doubt they're going to be skewed by Adam Wainwright, right? I mean, when you're looking at the rotations and to some degree, even the bullpen because of the innings they've had to cover because of some of this Adam Wainwright shorts, uh, short starts. Um, it's been rough. I, I don't think there's anything, you know, when you, when he gives up eight runs in, a, in an inning plus this week, it, it's nothing else that we can say, but it's really, really bad. How, what are you thinking? You know, of course, that's the big thing, right? He still needs two wins for 200. The Cardinals are going to run him out there Thursday against the Mets. What are you thinking? Oh, this has been tough. This it's you know, it's one of those situations I've mentioned many times. He's my favorite baseball player of all time. So it's it's tough to see. And I have to remind myself continually, like, this is a game. Like, you know, we're diehard fans, but it's still a game. Like there's other issues that are actually real issues that should make me feel sick to my stomach that aren't baseball. But it, it's still tough to watch. Um I I think the solution, I think there's two parts to it. One is easy and one is not so easy. And this is just my personal opinion. I think the easy part is you move him to the bullpen. And I think if he, you try to get him those two wins out of the bullpen, uh, the not so easy part to me is who fills that spot in the rotation because the Cardinals don't exactly have a guy at Memphis right now with a 2.3 ERA who's just dominating. So that's where I would struggle. Because you do have to call somebody up and you may be adding somebody to the 40-man roster as well. And that's going to cause some issues that go beyond this season to do that. Uh, McGreevy today did not look great. Graceffo has not looked great recently. Tink Hintz is not getting called up. So I don't know what the second part of that answer is. But I feel like the first part is moving him to the pin. Now, Maybe you work out a system where you have Thompson starting the game and you plan to use Wainwright to kind of piggyback off him. Uh, I, I don't know. I I think now you're just trying to put him in good situations, um, but it's it's been it, it's tough to watch. And 
yeah, it, it's not good for anybody for him to go out there and pitch one inning and give up eight runs or whatever it may be. And so it, the coaching staff, I know they're kind of in a little bit of a bind here, but my thinking is you put him in the bullpen for the rest of the season. Maybe he's getting the start, the final start at home because it is at home. Um, but it's, it is a tough situation. Do you, do you see a great solution here and how to handle things? I don't know. I see a great solution. I mean, you know, right now, right now, you know, it's bad when people are like, you know, Jake Woodford's on rehab. He could be up soon. Um, <laughs> Has not been good either. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, and I guess the only other starting pitcher would be Connor. That's on the 40 man. It would be Connor Thomas. And I don't think he's done much at Memphis as well. Um, you know, I'm, I'm still of the opinion. And like I said, I think I talked, we talked about this on mutual this week, but um, I let Wainwright go out there every fifth day because I don't, I don't think that he wants to, you know, vulture two wins. I don't think he's so focused. I've got to get those 200 wins no matter what. I don't, I don't think he's like that. I think he'd like to get them, but I don't think he's to the, you know, let me get the last out of the fifth inning and, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and I think that you, I think you do kind of like what you did this week. Um, and, and kind of what you're saying just in reverse of if Wainwright goes out there and he looks good after an inning or two or three, and you just keep riding him and hope that he's got it for that day. And if not, you have somebody like Zach Thompson ready to go and you pull Wainwright after an inning. And, you know, cause what is, you know, it's not like the Cardinals are trying to win ball games, right? Um, I mean, they're trying to win ball games, but if they lose ball games, it's not the end of the world. Uh, when you've got the the draft lottery and things like that to look at, um, and I think that I think it's just the the real silver lining to this season is they can do that. They don't have to say Wainwright, we're you know, we're one game up in the division or we're two games back of the division and we're going to have to bench you because you've been terrible. They don't have to do that uh, in part because he's been bad all year. Not, not in large part. I don't think that if anybody's thinking that, you know, well, wow, if I just had, you know, Jake Woodford pitch instead of Adam Wainwright all year, we would have been great. No, this team would still been terrible, but um, I'm just kind of let, you know, I'm, uh, with the, with what less than two months remaining, let Adam Wainwright set the set the tempo. Um, what what he thinks to do, what he wants to do. I get that this is a team game, but right now it doesn't hurt for somebody to to go after accomplishments or go out on their own terms after putting in all the hours and the in the years that he has with this this organization. Yeah, that that does make sense to me. I, I think part of my thinking with the bullpen move, and I know you don't want to just like spoon feed a guy to get him to the 200 wins. But I do wonder, mm-hmm. is it possible? And, and, you know, we're talking about a guy, he's not throwing 96, but right. if he only knows he's pitching one or two innings, if he's pitching the fifth or the sixth or something like that, is he able to rear back and, you know, possibly get 90, 91 on that fastball? Um, does he, you know, does he throw a little bit harder that makes him a little more effective with his stuff? Maybe not. I, I don't know how that goes at that point in the career and how his breaking stuff works. Um, my fear would just be that he doesn't have enough to get to f- get through five innings as the starter. Uh, I will say I did hear I saw somebody say this week on Twitter 
that um, if the Cardinals had not brought him back and instead had gotten a, another number five or something like that, that they may be winning the wild card or in the wild card hunt right now. I, no, let's let's yeah. stop that talk right now. If you look at his numbers, he has had five starts where five starts that were so bad the team really had no chance to win. Let, let's say the Cardinals, you put somebody else in those games and the Cardinals go three and two. And based on their record this year, it's probably more likely they're going two and three of those games or one mm-hmm. and four. That does not put them back in the wild card hunt. The Cardinals are five and ten in his starts this season. Um, you can switch that up a little bit and say that you know they could be uh, seven and eight in his starts or something like that if, with a different pitcher, or even go eight and seven if you want. They're still so far out of it that it it doesn't really make that much of a difference. Now, sure, if they're five and a half or six and a half back right now, do they still have a chance? Eh, sort of, but there's still a whole lot of teams to jump. So, yeah. I say all that to say, you know, it other than just the cringe factor, which I hate to even say that because I love I've always loved watching him pitch. There's not you're not losing additional things. Um mm-hmm. you know, some of the idiots on Twitter this week, I've had some responses to one of my tweets that you get people that I, I'm either thinking these are Russian trolls or this is like a 15-year-old <laughs> that never saw him pitch in 2006. Um probably has never watched him pitch at all. They're probably more concerned about their DraftKings team or something like that. So, you know, legacy is not being tarnished whatsoever. Nothing can be done to tarnish his legacy at this point. Um, You know, unless he like murders somebody, (laughs) but outside of like moral failure, uh, there is nothing tarnishing his legacy. I hope he gets the 200 wins. I'm hoping they figure something out where he can go back out there and be, somewhat effective you know he's had games this year that the cardinals should have won that the bullpen lost for them um and so yeah i i think it's still possible it may not be probable uh but it is still possible for him to go out there and throw five or six innings but you know if if he just doesn't have it then by all means sure let's let's go to a bullpen role that yeah but like you said, there's there's really nothing to lose at this point, um, despite what trolls on Twitter may say. Would you like to guess, maybe you know, maybe you've looked at this, um, how many home runs Miguel Cabrera has this year? Ooh. Uh, you know, just the fact that I have not seen him on any highlights or heard his name much, except for when people are doing flashbacks. I'm going to say I'm going to throw out five and I, that's just a totally random guess. Yeah. You're four too high. Oh, he's got one. He's had an OPS of 85. Now, granted hitters are different than pitchers, right? I mean, you can, you know, though, you know, he can play one day and be off for two or he get a couple of hits here, get a couple of bats here. They can pull him out, whatever the case. It's a little bit different. We saw it with Albert last year in that first half of the season when he was hitting like 197. you know, it was like, okay, you know, but he wasn't necessarily hurting the team in the same way that a pitcher does. But I don't feel like there's been a whole lot of, I doubt you go on Tiger's Twitter and maybe I'm wrong. I don't get on Tiger's Twitter very often, but I don't think you go on there and people are saying, man, he's hurting the team. Granted expectations for the Tigers were a lot lower, but I, I just think that there's this idea that, I mean, yeah, we'd love to see everybody go out like Albert, right. To have that, that last little, burst of greatness um 
but even Yachty didn't get that. Yachty was a very meh last year. And if it hadn't been for Albert making that run, I wonder what the microscope would have looked like on Yadier Molina's last, you know, half a season, especially when he wasn't there for half of it. So, I mean, rewind time, I'm sure Albert, I mean, Adam Wainwright probably walks off in September, but you know, that's, that's the way it is. You, you don't get to always write your ending, unfortunately. Yeah, that's, that's true. Um, that's, you know, the Cabrera thing actually is kind of shocking. That means if that, this continues, Ozzy will have finished with more home runs in his last season than Cabrera, <laughs> which would be a little surprising. Um, but yeah, it, you know, I'll, I've said this before on here uh, and I've said this to friends and this is baseball, but non-baseball related. But, um, you know, the money that Wainwright gets this season, the money he's going to get in the seasons to come, um, if you listen to the guy talk about stuff off the field, you know, this money is not going in his bank account. This money is going to Haiti to, uh, uh, to fund clean wash, clean water initiatives, to build hospitals. Uh, this money is literally going to give people life. Like people will literally live because of what Adam Wainwright does as a person that says something about his character and who he is. But that's also why I said when he came back this year, give him all the money he wants because this money you're basically giving it to him. And that money is going straight to another country to help people actually live. So, you know, I'm not worried about budget things or things like that with, with Wainwright. Um, So, you know, this season, if it ends in, you know, like it looks like it's ending, so be it. Uh, there are things that are bigger than baseball. Um, and I know that doesn't sit well with some people because some people, it's, you know, winning is everything and winning is the only thing. And I would, of course, love the Cardinals to win. Uh, but, you know, he, there are other things that he does, too, that people don't see. And, and that's actually within the clubhouse, within pitching. Um, we've talked before about Chris Carpenter was kind of the one who started the whole thing with uh, the pitchers, the starting pitchers watching each other's bullpens mm-hmm. and picking up things like tipping pitches and, and maybe their funneling was off and things like that. Wainwright's been that pitching coach. Uh, non-pitching coach, uh, no official title, but he's been that guy for many, many years. He's been a mentor to younger guys on the team. You know, for all we know, maybe Steven Matz's turnaround has to do because of what Wainwright has helped him with and taught him. I know he's been working with Matthew Liebertor some. Um, So his impact goes beyond what you just see on the mound, which that I'm not making excuses for, um, for, you know, how, how, rough the performance has been this year like that's anybody can see that uh but this guy is worth a whole lot more than what you just see every fifth day on the mound and so he deserves this chance now if the cardinals were two games out in the wild card and fighting hard things are gonna have to be taken a little bit differently but yeah at this point the cardinals are done for the year uh they're trying out some new guys some new younger guys there's nobody that's being held back because of him right now that would be another thing if there was a guy that was just on the edge or on the verge of coming up but he was being held back that would be one thing that's not happening nobody is on the edge of coming up that's being held back so yeah fans it's not the prettiest thing to watch right now but i'm rooting for him i i want to see him achieve this um like I said, it, it is personal in some ways. This is my favorite player. Um, this is a guy that granted me an interview about 10 years ago when I, oh, I'm still a nobody, but I was a nobody then too. Uh, but he gave me 20 minutes of his time just because he's that type of guy. So 
yeah, I'm all in. I want to see him get this. I don't care how it happens, but I want to see him get to 200. And I want to see that last game at Bush, those stands completely packed and people to give him the biggest ovation that we've ever heard the fans give a Cardinal ever. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And I know that there's going to be those discussions about what what works for him, what works for the team, what works for marketing, because, you know, there are giveaways and, you know, promotions to do especially for that last you know homestand or whatever to see adam wainwright one more time one more two more times but you know they made the big deal about it last year right so i'm sure they'll do some similar things like that but um yeah we'll just have to have to see how it works out but uh you know maybe he comes out and throws five good innings on um and because he was talking in the afterwards you know he says like you know i feel like i'm throwing really well in my bullpen so well, maybe it's cutting out the bullpens. Maybe it's saving the, you know, the arms not rebound, rebounding as well. Um, because he had, you know, when he got off the dis- injured list, you know, after, what, three weeks off, he threw, I think, five innings of one or two runs that, yeah, the Cardinals, you're right, the Cardinals didn't didn't hit for him. Um, so maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's a little bit extra rest here and there. I, I don't know. But uh, hopefully the Cardinals can figure something out. But it's definitely not, it's definitely not worth a whole lot of angst. I mean, it's, it's worth it in the idea of we're, we're sad and we hate to see a, a guy that we respect to, to go through this. It's not worth angst of he's hurting the team and yada, yada, yada. He should have gone home three years ago or whatever the case may be. So uh, before we wrap it up today, though, I mean, again, there's not been a lot to talk about, but um, MLB Pipeline finally updated their top 30. Is that right? 30? That is, um, Yes. Uh, prospects from after the draft and after all the trades at the trading deadline. Um, and I know you're, you're looking at that a lot. You sent me a picture of it when it came out. Um, you know, what were your thoughts? I mean, what, what stood out to you on that list? Well, the first thing that stood out and, and John didn't tweeted this before it was even released. So he kind of teased it a little bit and he did get it. And it was still right. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, we were both thinking it. Uh, (laughs) It was the jump of Victor Scott II. He was in the 20s to begin the year, and he raced his way up to number four in the rankings. And I say raced his way because this guy can fly. Uh, It has been so much fun watching his highlights and watching his games. He's one of those guys that if he puts the ball on the ground, doesn't matter how hard he hits it, he has a very good chance of beating out the throw. I, last I saw, he was at, I think, like 73 stolen bases this season so far between two levels. That number's probably gone up since then. So, and his his defense in center field is elite. Probably two years away from the majors. We're looking at maybe 2025. Um, now, if the Cardinals make the playoffs next year, maybe he gets added to the roster as just a speedster. But uh, this guy is so exciting. Not much pop. But I have a feeling he's going to have some home runs in places like San Francisco because of the way the ball bounces out there where he's just going to circle the bases. But so exciting to watch him. Um, So glad he jumped on that list. He got to play in the Futures game this year, stole two bases. So really good to see. Um, Number nine, Thomas Seguisi. The guy is crushing the ball at Springfield. I think the Cardinals have got a huge steal here. When we look back at this trade deadline in a couple years, we may go, wow, we didn't focus on him. But uh, holy cow, this guy is really, really good. Um, Juan Ben Cho, 
up to number 13, uh, continues to impress in Palm Beach. Uh, just really, really exciting player. And then uh, Cesar Prito actually fell because of some of the updated rankings and things like Victor Scott jumping up. But he's another dude that just keeps hitting the ball and mm-hmm. so fun to watch. Um, any players that caught your eye that either jumped or dropped? Not necessarily. I may be a little bit still surprised just because what I have seen over recent and I've, I've just caught the probably the bad starts. A little bit surprised that Graceffo might not have slipped a little bit more. Um, especially with all the the new names that came into the organization. Um, And it's also a little bit surprising that, you know, some of those names, I guess it's good that, but they were not necessarily as high as I thought. Like you said, Victor Scott's up there. Chase Davis, you know, the draft pick is third overall. So you really have to get to to Kourobi at five before you get a trade uh, guy that's in. Now, some lists will be different than others when we get to fan graphs or, or baseball American in the off season. But um, yeah, I think that was, that was kind of interesting. Um, I think like you said, uh, like we said, Travis Honeyman could probably uh, double for Derek Gould, um, <laughs> which is, is an interesting, uh, interesting look for a baseball player. Um, and, and it's kind of interesting to see uh, Jimmy Crooks up there at 15, right? I mean, the Cardinals and, and let's see, you've got, uh, Bernal at 10, Crooks at 15, and you've got uh, Pajes at 28. You know, we have talked about the Cardinal pi- catching pipeline. Um, they're still, it's still going, right? Even yeah. as we see today, you know, Carson Kelly gets w- released by the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, and they're still trying to figure out what to do with um, Ivan Herrera, who I guess graduated off this list, right? Because he did. Of, of his time. Uh, which changes a few things um, as, and as well as Andrew Kisner, obviously, and, and then Wilson Contreras. So there's a lot of things still going on that even if Andrew Kisner gets traded this off season or if on her depending on what they do, um, we still may have some of these questions here in a, another couple of years as some of these other guys start promoting up as well. Um, yeah. I just, yeah, I'm very excited. I thinking I, was, I told this to Alan, you know, if, if in a couple of years, either next year or the year after, you've got Jordan Walker, Mason Wynn, and Victor Scott, too, just those guys. And I don't know about any, I mean, some of these other guys, but those three guys, not only is it going to be a talented team, it's going to be a fun team. And it's mm-hmm. going to be a team with some personality that we haven't seen a lot of in St. Louis, I think. So that should be really interesting to see if we put those all, if we can put all those guys together and they turn out to be like we think they are. Yeah. And it's going to be a team that can fly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we may see the return of uh, the Whitey Herzog days and seeing some guys get 40, 50 stolen bases potentially. Now I think Jordan Walker is going to fill out a little bit and may not be stealing bases like that, but uh Wynn and Scott on the bases, man, that's a you know that's a game of tag that I do not want to play against those two guys because <laughs> you are not going to win that game. Um, so yeah, I think so. I think the Cardinals have a lot of exciting guys that are on their way up. And if you look at their roster, you look at their position players. Um, outside of you know Goldie, the rest of the team is really young. And so 
Um, Goldie and Wainwright, if you take their ages out of it, this team overall is pretty young and has guys already at the major league level. And so I, I do think the future's bright. You know, I'm, I have to be optimistic because I'm a Cardinals fan. But yeah, I think this team really, the big league team has a lot of potential. They're still pretty young. They got guys under contract for a while. And I like what they have in the minors right now. Um, I didn't even mention Ian Bedell and, uh, and also uh, it's Max Rad. I think it's Radjic. I think it rhymes with magic from what I heard, but two of my favorite pitching prospects uh, still down in the A levels right now. But I think both of these guys have potential to be very, very good, be rotational guys within a couple years. So right now it's, it's, it's pitching. Pitching is what's missing right now. Um, if they can get that figured out. I, yeah. This team, it, it's not just that they can be good next year, but I think they've got the potential for longevity. Uh, we often talk about when does the window close? I think this, the window for the Cardinals can remain open for quite a while because of guys like you mentioned, Mason, Wynn, Jordan Walker, Tink Hintz, Victor Scott, potentially chase Davis being up there at that point. Uh, but it's all going to come down to the starting rotation because the rest of the team looks pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. And that's another reason to go out and get good pitching next this off season. Um, and then see what you've got, uh, out of these young guys. So, all right. Well, um, the Cardinals get to play, um, Oakland. That's a good thing, right? I mean, it should be, uh, at home against a team that's 15 wins less than the disappointing Cardinals are. You got to like your odds there at least. Uh, and then you get the Mets for four at home with no Scherzer, no uh, Verlander, no real motivation to win. Um, you know, maybe it's a maybe it's at least a good week. Maybe they can pit past the Pirates uh, before they get this epic, the showdown that we knew we, we circled on our calendar at the beginning of the year. The three games in Pittsburgh here coming up next week. <laughs> Do you want to pass Pittsburgh at this point, or is it all about the lottery? No, I do, because, you know, our friend Alex Christofoli has pointed out, I know we've talked about it before, if, if you've listened to any podcast in the Cardinal sphere that has uh, as good friends with Alex Christofoli, you have heard the stat, but uh, the Cardinals have finished ahead of Pittsburgh for 23 straight years, and it's one of the longest streaks, if not the longest streak in it's definitely the longest current streak, one of the longest streaks ever in Cardinal in, in the history of the baseball history. So I'd like to see that keep going. Um, I get that there's, you know, and also there's something about not finishing in last, isn't there? I mean, yes, it's probably better for the draft picks and stuff, but there's this cachet, I feel like, of the fact that the Cardinals haven't finished in last since 1990, haven't had the worst record in the league since 1918. Um, it's that, you know, that consistency, that consistently being good, if not really good, or at least passable. Um, and you know, I don't want to necessarily reset that clock. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you there to an extent. I, I never want them to lose. I never pull for them to lose a game. I've never done that. And I never will. Um, if they happen to lose out it's going to be very awful to watch uh but there is a silver lining um right. and so yeah i, I sure I, I want them to win every game here on out even if you told me they were going to win every game from here on out and miss the playoffs and um get a worse pick in the lottery or get a worse chance in the lottery or whatever it may be uh but yeah um 
it's you know it's kind of that torn between two lovers thing you want the number one pick in the draft but you also want your team to succeed so um i'm not pulling for tanking by any measure and and i hope that at some point mason wind comes up and we get to see some fun with that maybe we see walker kind of put some things together and hit some bombs and stuff like that so um i'm gonna keep watching i'm gonna keep pulling for him but i also am setting (laughs) realistic expectations and uh if they want to pass pittsburgh sure but let's just not give them the first pick in the draft again please (laughs) <laughs> at one of these times it might come back and bite us um you know who knows uh, it is still pittsburgh and y- you do wonder how many first picks in the draft they can get and still mess it up so, um but you know you know let's i and to be fair uh, i don't think anybody's gonna pass i mean granted it's lottery and you just never know but um oakland and kansas city are <laughs> really bad this year so, um, I, you know, as, as bad as this season it's been for the Cardinals, it's, but I guess, I mean, to some degree that a little different expectations after you trade everybody away and, and out in Oakland, you would kind of expect to be bad. So yeah, they've already got the moving boxes arriving, right. I think. Right. So, um, all right, well, we'll be back with you next week and we'll, you know, maybe we'll have a lot of wins to talk about since we're playing lesser competition, or maybe we'll just be a little bit more depressed that the lesser competition beat the Cardinals. So. Getting back in the wild card hunt. Here we go. <laughs> All right, for David, I'm Daniel. Good night. See ya. Hey, Cardinals fans. Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under podcasts and click subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in baseball heaven.